BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tonight had all the makings of a trap game for the Phoenix Suns. Although they're playing at home, rocking those Valley jerseys, They're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that's 13th in the Western Conference, knowing that in just two days' time, for Christmas, they were going to unwrap the present that is the Golden State Warriors. And at a couple times during this game, yes, it did feel like this was a trap game. But led by Devin Booker and his 30-point performance, the Phoenix Suns win their 15th consecutive game at home. And Devin Booker personally is now 20-0 and in his last 20 games played, Matthew. What a game for the Suns. Is he? He's 20 and 0. Wow. You know, the, the game he had tonight, Eddie even said, you know, it was a very silent 37 for him. And it really was. That's just the way it is. This team doesn't go over 40 usually, but when they get close to it, you just never really know until you look at the box score. But I don't I don't think this is really a trap game just because I think OKC is actually good and they need to just keep on this thing where they're trying to win games and try to get some superstars there. That would be super nice for them to do that because they have a lot of fight in them, man, and I knew it would be a tough game, and it really was till the very end. You know, it's just one of those teams that has a lot of talent that just doesn't know necessarily how to play in the league yet. It's a lot of young talent. You know, when yeah. you're going against the likes of Lou Dort, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Baisley, you know, uh, Mescala, you know, they have a lot of these young guys who really can fill up a box score, and they just don't know how to win games yet. And, you know, for, for those of you who are, are watching along live and or and or listening to this podcast. I don't know how long you've been a Suns fan. You know, a lot of you've been around for a long time and and you know what the Suns looked like five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, even when Ricky Rubio came to the team. But we looked a lot like the Oklahoma City Thundered in the past. We had a couple guys who could fill it up and there was just some inconsistencies most notably on the defensive end. So if you are a newer fan of the Suns and you're enjoying this beautiful ride, Please do enjoy it. I mean, there's there's a million reasons why you should enjoy it. But if you've been to Suns fans for more than the past four years, you see a lot of who the Suns used to be in a team like this. Obviously, the construction of the team's a lot different. We're going to talk about their draft picks a little bit later tonight. Uh, but I just think that, you know, to your point, Matthew, this is a team with a lot of fight in it. And eventually, if they harness that talent into something uh, long term, and, and not just try to take their players and or their picks and utilize them as assets, this eventually will be a team that will be dangerous. I totally agree. And they, they're they a team right now that just plays basketball the right way. And the Suns didn't do that ever in the beginning until they got Chris Paul. They needed Chris Paul to figure out how the hell to play basketball. But I think OKC's on the right track of knowing how to play. Just needing just another player, another extra couple players, dude. 
Maybe just one, honestly. Who, who, I love who, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's uh, DeMontis Sabonis. You know, it's been rumored that he might end up that's, in OKC. That's a name. That's a good name that potentially yeah. could make sense there. So plenty to talk about, again, on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. If you're listening, we thank you. Hit subscribe, rate, review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, five-star review. If you're on Spotify, just five stars. If you're watching the podcast, hit that thumbs up button down below. Helps with algorithms and science and, and computer coding. I don't know how it works, but somehow, some way, it lets other Suns fans know that when they log onto the tube, that is for you. It'll guide you to us, which is the Suns Jam Session podcast. You can follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. So, Matthew, it's time to pop open a teeth-cracking cold beer. I know you got me on this one because I've got a KFC Dr. Pepper. I got some... I got, I got some uh, I got some chicken fingers and they didn't even give me sauce tonight. Like I get to oh, my room, I'm starving, no. I'm traveling today. I'm in Reno, Nevada now. I was in Palm Desert this morning. I'm in Reno tonight with a, a layover in Phoenix, which is just cruel. And I'm like I, I get to my hotel room, I turn on the game, I sit down, I, I unwrap my five piece tenders. No fucking sauce, man. Oh, dude, spinning the <laughs> your holidays, man. Could they get any lower? I'm just kidding. We're we're all here for you. We're all celebrating together. But I do have um yeah, Lagunitas IPA. In there a can. we go. Not always the best, but I had to grab it at halftime because I knew you would probably just have a KFC diet Dr Pepper or Dr Pepper. Um, so I I came prepared, John. Well, pop that bad boy open, Suns fans. Pop them if you got them, and let's talk about another win for your 26 and five Phoenix Suns. That's right, Jamsters. This is episode 265 for the Suns Jam Session podcast, and the Suns are 26 and 5. I don't know how the world works, <laughs> but it worked be. out. Just kind of everything crossed perfectly right there. Uh, but, you know, again, a, a great victory for the Phoenix Suns as they defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder by a final score of 113 to 101. But you know what? I'm not going to talk about the Suns right off the bat. Matthew, I got to ask. So, Matthew, I got to ask, you know, when it comes to Shea Gilgus Alexander, right? 29 points tonight, 10 for 20 from the field, two for six from deep and seven of seven from the free throw line. Throw in seven assists and five rebounds. A solid performance for the one guy on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who is clearly a building block for them. So, Matthew, I got to ask you this. Where does Shea Gilgus Alexander rank among your among your favorite young players in the league who aren't members of the Phoenix Suns? And I'm talking like DA's draft class since then, since the 2018 draft. Any player who's had four years or less experience in the NBA, where does SGA rank on your list? Um, you know, he'll probably go number three. Uh, my okay. first one, I think Jaw, of course, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, I'm a huge fan of his. And he's someone that I talked to be MVP this year. So he obviously has to be my number one. Um, but as yeah, I think he slides in at number three. Trey Young is an honorable mentionable, but he's okay. honorable mentionable. Honorable he... mentionable. <laughs> but uh, I don't I think there's too much of him right now, and there's just too much to where this year he hasn't performed in that team. 
to the way they did last year. But another guy that I do love, of course, is LaMelo Ball. But LaMelo Ball would be my number one tied with John Morant. I think they're right there together. They're they're like anytime the Suns play Memphis or the Hornets, I get more excited to watch them. And especially when I watch OKC, I get excited about their young talent and watching Shea more than I want to watch the Suns play the Lakers. I don't know what it is. I like the up-and-coming talent like we're talking about. But those are my top three, man. I mean, they're all point guards. They're all yeah. – they, they just know how to ball. They know how to facilitate the ball. They know what the what the hell they're doing on the court already at such a young age. And it's, I like how, like, they're in cities to where they're taking it upon themselves to try to create something there where it's probably pretty difficult to get superstars to join them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because I obviously – put a list together because I knew I was going to ask you this question and we have very similar lists a uh, quick shout out in the chat to blaze Megatron he says I like giddy blaze I don't know if you heard us on the last pod but we were literally like where's blaze Megatron yes. been? he, has, he hasn't been here for the post game show so welcome, welcome back blaze uh <laughs> but he likes giddy and I I like giddy as well as a member of that team and I think that that's another potential building block for the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder uh but yeah I I, I was thinking about the same question you know SGA is, is a fantastic talent he's somebody who I know that both you and I were a big fan of in that two 2018 draft and knowing that the Suns had that second pick that they ultimately uh, took Jarrett Culver with and then traded with the Philadelphia 76. No, that's not how it went. Is that how it went? We got Mikhail Bridges. We got Mikhail Bridges with that pick, but it was getting closer and closer. We were going to have a shot at SGA because we're like, Hey, we got Deandre and we got our big. Now we can get SGA who can be our facilitating point guard for the future. And that's how we we thought we were going to hit, uh, the jackpot with that draft. And you know what? We ended up hitting the jackpot regardless because we got Mikhail Bridges out of the uh, the draft, who is going to be an all uh, a member of the all defensive team, first team. Like I'm already calling it this year. Like you're hearing enough of that national media uh, yeah. narrative behind his story that it's going to happen. But I was thinking about SGA. I'm like, where does he, uh, of guys who are four years or less in the league, where does he fall? My number one guy is John Morant, just like you. He's my okay. favorite young player. Uh, he's going to be the future of this league. I think that, again, another guy who both you and I wanted in the draft, right? You yes. Know? Yeah, absolutely. So, number two on my list, LaMelo Ball. So we're, oh, <laughs> we agree there. there. Number three on my list is Evan Mobley. I really think Evan Mobley is going to be special from what I've seen. And again, I'm not sitting around every night watching Cleveland Cavalier games, but from what I do see, this guy's going to be really special. Uh, number four and just ahead of SGA, SGA is number five and Patrick Williams for Chicago is number six for me. Uh, do you want to take any gamble on who my number five guy is? Is it Anthony Edwards? No. Good guess though. Good guess. Oh, okay. Same no, same, no same draft class. Uh, Obi Toppin. I still, really? I still, I still love Obi, man. I think that okay. Well, because again, you know, he he's starting to show a little bit more in New York, and the only reason he's showing more in New York this year is because Julius Randle isn't as well, or isn't playing as well as he did yeah. as he was last year, right? So now that op- opportunity is opening for him. In his, you know, his, his first cut year, it's you're playing behind Julius Randle, who's an All NBA guy. So it's like yeah. he's it, it. It's like trade him. Do what you got to do to get that guy out of town. But now that Julius Randle's come all the way back down to earth, Obi Toppin's looking good. That's just a guy who I like to watch. And again, these aren't guys who I'm saying, I want these guys in the Suns. This is just who I like to watch outside of the Phoenix Suns. So that was yeah. 
you know, th- that's that segment, if you will. <laughs> well, I like the Obi because um, the Obi talk because it's nice that he is improving and he was written off as a rookie. I know we always talked about, you know, he's playing behind uh, um, Julius Randle, but still it's like you write off a rookie who really has a lot. He's very green, obviously, with the way he plays basketball. He's really high and a high flyer, but he's a guy that can really improve and be someone that's not like a cornerstone, but he can help a team be a role player. Like he got written off way too early. And we do that a lot with rookies and even players in their second year. It's like, just calm down. Wait till these guys have the opportunity to fill a role to where they're successful. And then they just have the opportunity. Basically that's all they need. A lot of these players just need the opportunity. He's one of them. Well, and shit. I mean, we write guys off after their third year too. And a lot of these guys are only, you know, 20, 21 years old at that time, 22 at their latest, you know? So it's not like this is the nineties when it guys were playing for three or four years in college. And then their third year in the NBA, you will know if they're a bust or not, because then you have a seven year sample size of what these guys can produce in a high leverage and high competition situations. No, these guys are young guys. So it's even the DA effect, you know, DA is such a young guy that we we fail probably because he looks so damn old, but we fail to remember that he is still not even close to the apex of his career. So it's, it's a reminder not to rattle off a lot of these guys. And I know there's a lot of guys in those draft classes, which I didn't necessarily mention, but again, these are guys who I like to watch SGA being one of them. And he showed you tonight again, the why, why do I like, um, uh, SGA as much as I do. It's it, it's his complete game. He has a complete game. He can drive to the interior and create contact. He can shoot from the outside. He can shoot the mid-range. He can facilitate an offense. He is kind of that modern point guard. You know, one of the things that we might not necessarily remember or, or we, you know, maybe we do remember because not too long ago we didn't have any fucking point guards, but like Chris Paul's a dying breed. Ricky Rubio, who was here before Chris Paul, dying breed. You don't have a lot of these true facilitating point guards yeah. in the league anymore. You have more of the SGA types, the Trey Young types, the guys who are more ball ball dominant and going to take more shots in the process of setting up guys around them, right? Yeah, but also I think we're kind of going away from like the smaller point guards that are that way. Shea's a little bit bigger, True. of course, but you have like the Giddy, even Giddy tonight. He's like a bigger guy that's just a facilitator. He can't really shoot. You have the Ben Simmons, um, Luka Doncic, of course. There's these huge, massive dudes that could be playing the four, and then they're they're really a point guard. So it's kind of going that way. So yeah, Chris Paul is like one of the dying breeds of like the smaller guys. I mean, Trey Young, of course, his assists are always at least nine or eight per per game, but he's always just shot of thought of as like a shooter. So I mean, I understand what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's you're, you're spot on with that. You know, it is more of a large position and you're going to see less and less of the small guys uh, mm-hmm. come in and, and have the same effect because what's the advantage of having a show Shea Gilgus Alexander on your team, the length and the switchability, right? I yes. mean, Chris Paul, again, dying breed, the way that he plays defense is a lot different than the way that uh, other six three-point guards in the league can play. Uh, and that's yeah. why it, you know we will start to see kind of this transition to these larger point guards. And you know we're not too, that's why Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, he's a long, lengthy guy. He's more of that mold. And, and in the future, that's something we're going to have to look at. But you know what? We're not focused on the future. We're focused on right now, this Phoenix Suns team, the 2021-22 Phoenix Suns. And once again, they play a fantastic brand of basketball again tonight. Uh, you know, 
this is OKC. I, you look at that final score, you see the Suns win by 12, and you're like, you know what? That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. But Matthew, you know, I was traveling tonight, so I was catching parts of the game uh, where I yeah. could. I was actually in the airport in Reno waiting for my bag, which took way too long, by the way. And I, so I was just kind of like watching the score in that second quarter. And I saw after the first quarter, you know, the Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns are up 29 to 17. And next thing you know, they're going into the half and they're losing, I think, by three. So again, not over analyzing what occurred tonight because the end result is exactly what you thought it was going to be. But tell me what you saw in that second quarter that allowed the Oklahoma city thunder to outscore the Phoenix suns 31 to 16. Uh, well, it's, it's okay. See, I really think they've, after the first quarter, you kind of saw like, okay, the Suns came out there, the more dominant team. You saw it in DA's eyes. You saw it in Cameron Johnson's eyes in the second quarter. Booker was more a facilitator in a way where he came out and hit, hit one three. He looked like he was trying to get the defense pulled away and then be more a facilitator later in the first. Second quarter, after the Suns had a nice lead, it's like, okay, maybe this is going to be a blowout. OKC is just pesky. They're, they're, they're a team that plays really good um, team defense. They play as one. They're mm-hmm. down low. They're getting the offensive rebounds. I think it was six nothing at halftime. Offensive rebounds, OKC over Phoenix. So they're down there tipping balls. They're grabbing the offensive rebounds again. Second chances. A lot of that. I mean, they were hitting. They were they were throwing up a lot of wide open threes, not getting all of them to go down. Of course, but they kept focusing really on moving the ball around. And what they were doing is they would get into the lane and keep the dribble alive, whether it was Shea or whoever had the ball. The dribble would stay alive, and then it would find the pass, like in the nick of time, like before one of the Suns defenders can close in on the other guy. So they were getting off these passes that were very quick, and I didn't see them coming. And they're finding guys that are cutting, that are wide open from three, that are wide open in their spots. They just did a lot of that. They they buckled down on defense, mm-hmm. and then the offense just started moving the ball, man. Especially when you have Shea like that, he's such a a, a guy that is he slithers slithers around in the paint until he can find somebody or get a shot off and get a good angle to get a good shot off. So that's very difficult to guard. And I don't think it was a lot of like the Suns, like, hey, super tired, or not too tired, but overlooking OKC, we got the big lead. I think OKC, because I don't think the Suns do that anymore to where they're just going to like let themselves down in a quarter and kind of let a team come back that they think is a lesser opponent because they know that OKC, they won three in a row, they beat Denver, they're going to come in and they're going to continue to fight. So Suns know that. I think it was really just a lot of OKC's fight over the Suns just not being able to stop them in the second quarter. So congrats to the OKC. Like they they looked really good in the second. They quarter, owned a man. quarter. Yeah, I mean they really did. Yeah, and again they you have to do most it. Of the game. You have to do it for four complete quarters, obviously, to win a game. And, you know, they put it all together in that second quarter. And you're right. Looking at the statistics in that second quarter, although the team, uh, or Oklahoma City, shot 46.2% from the field, uh, the Suns shot 31.8. So they weren't necessarily making their shots. Uh, total turnovers in that quarter for the Phoenix Suns. They had two. Oklahoma City actually had three. But to your point, Five offensive rebounds, 12 total rebounds for the Thunder, whereas the Suns only had seven total rebounds. And here's what's interesting. And, you know, obviously when you're when you're traveling and I'm sure many of you know this when you are when you don't have full access to the game, when it's not you kicking it on your couch with an ice cold beer, just watching the game. Yeah. Absor- absorbing it when, when, when you're on the move you know we all have maybe your significant others like hey let's go christmas shopping two days before we have to go to, uh, for christmas and we got to go to target tonight and you're literally walking oh. through the aisles of target while she's just looking for shit she doesn't know what she wants so she's just looking at different shit 
and thinking. So you just have your phone out and you're trying to follow it the same way I kind of was, right? You're looking at the box score and then you hop on Twitter for those of you who are Twitter users. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm kind of, you know, because that's where you're going to get the opinion behind the box score. And much akin to um, what Los Suns just said, where I just had it. He said, Peyton happened. And oh, I saw yeah, that a, was something. I yeah. saw a lot of oh, Alfred geez. Payton hate. So uh-huh. I'm I'm gonna ask you what happened, but first yes. I'm gonna set it up, okay? Alfred Payton in the second quarter. Because again, it was the same thing that you see on Twitter. Fucking Payton's done, get rid of him, yada yada. I assume he had a bad turnover, which you'll tell me about momentarily. But he paid he played four minutes and thirty-three seconds in that second quarter. He shot one for two from the field and with two total points, had two turnovers. Uh, two rebounds and one assist. So statistically, it didn't look like he had a horrible quarter. Uh, he ended with those two points and only got about a minute and a, a third more playing time. So what happened in that second quarter that ignited the the pitchforks and the torches for the people and of who are members of the Phoenix Suns fan base who want to oust? Alfred Payton from the Suns Castle. They're going to go down to the dungeon where he lives with those pitchforks <laughs> and those and those torches and try to burn him out of it. What, yeah. what what did he do that was so egregious tonight that I missed? Oh well, first of all, Payton, I, I feel bad for the dude. You can tell as soon as he comes into the game, he's already inside of his own head. Um, okay. He has opportunities on the offensive end, whether he wants to facilitate the ball, find the wide open guy. I think that a lot of times where he's he's somewhere on the court and he has an opportunity to really pass it to somebody that's seriously wide open right in front of him he makes the other decision and passes it to somebody else that's just and it's usually just the other team that's what he did tonight there was two plays in a row basically we just turned the ball over the suns were just they were they had like the 10 12 point lead and mm-hmm. then Peyton or Peyton here we go oh yeah after Peyton see I always get Peyton Peyton uh Peyton <laughs> comes in and he turns it over twice, and then it's just like, okay, so OKC's back in the game kind of in a way because Peyton just lost all, any kind of confidence he had at all coming into the game. And that's just one thing. It's just like it, the opportunities are really there for him. I just think he's in his own head. He's not feeding the guys that are open right in front of him. He did have a nice little shot. He had a McGee, uh, McGee set a nice screen. He had some spacing, hit a shot there. But other than that, he just has a hard time really finding the guys that are available. And it's just... I think it's just something that he needs to work on. And he, when he comes in the game, I'm kind of like, oh, dude, I think all the players feel it too. It's just like, well, let's see how this goes. <laughs> it might not be the best. And you can tell when the, when he does turn the ball over, when they're walking back down the court, there's there's some support, of course, but it's just like, dude, like you need to settle down. You're making the, the, the passes that don't need to happen. They happen for some reason from him. Like, it's just like, chill out, dude. Like he's just forcing too much. And it's a minimal amount of time too, that he's in the games and it's just not looking good for him, man. Okay. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. And before I read a lot of what the jamsters are saying in the chat, you know, this is kind of my observation. Peyton might've had a bad four minutes and 33 seconds in that second quarter. The Suns win by 12. He has to absorb some minutes during the regular season. Uh, they're not everybody's going to play great at all times. And guess what? Yeah. When the playoffs come around, he's not going to get these fucking minutes. Like, because there's also that kind of side argument that's going on right now. It's like, well, why is he getting any minutes at all? Because those are minutes that aren't going to be played by campaign, Devin Booker, and Chris Ball. That's the why. And we're still winning by 12. Now, that being said, I'm going to run through some of. Uh, the observations provided by our Jamsters. So again, thank you for joining us, Jamsters. Make sure you hit that like button down below. Uh, you can become an elite Jamster by joining the link in the description or clicking the join button. And you can donate 
like uh, Satya Lewis just did in the super chat, 499. And Satya says Peyton was terrible. He provides absolutely no benefit. And that's where I will disagree. He does provide the benefit of at least he's eating up some minutes, right? Those are four minutes that Chris Ball did. That's basically it, though. So you're right. For the most part, it's no benefit. Uh, Felix says, who could we get for him? I don't know. But if we but if we can't get another guy that at least knows how to run the point, I don't see the point of trading him. And again, you know, Matthew, he's he's what are he's our third point guard, right? So yeah, exactly. If if that's what we're bitching about, I think we're doing okay. Uh, Westville says he's overthinking, which leads to mistakes. Yes. So that's what that's what you're seeing too, right? Exactly. Yeah, that basically sums it up right there. That's all it is. Steve Holler says Peyton just plays dumb. Uh, hey dot zero. He just turns the ball over too much. And again, when you re- when you're in for only four minutes and thirty three seconds, and you tor- turn the ball over twice, yeah. I mean, your your per thirty six has got to be through the roof. In fact, let me look that up real quick. I wonder what Alfred Payton's per thirty six is when it comes to turnovers uh, this year, because that probably is an interesting statistic. <laughs> Let's see here. So, yeah, Elf. he. Uh, I don't. I he. He's just making mistakes. He knows he shouldn't be playing this way. That's the thing. When you look at him, he knows he shouldn't be playing this way. So in the per 36 department, uh, Chandler Hutchison leads the team with 7.7 turnovers per 36. But that's obviously because he's played like a total of uh, 14 minutes this season. Yeah. Cameron Payne, thir- 3.7 turnovers per 36. And Alfred Payton's right behind him at 3.6. So, yeah, that's that's a good point there. Uh, Issaquant says it's not so much that Peyton is turning it over. It's his body language hangs his head after every bad play and he doesn't get back on defense. That's what you're noticing, right, Matthew? Yeah, it's it's because everyone notices that everyone's really focused on how he's doing on the court with the with the minutes he has because Mm -hmm. everyone's seeing like, are you going to turn the ball over? You're going to make the right play. That's what they're looking at. That's what Monty's looking at. It's like, can you just hang in there and just get not even assist, just move the ball around, like just make the right pass and. I, his body language does suck, but the way he's turning it over, I feel bad for him. I would feel the same exact way on the court. Yeah, and especially when it leads to the opposition scoring those points and cutting that lead right away. So not only is it a bad play, but it's a, it's a negative. Yeah. But again, his plus minus in that quarter was negative one. So uh, he he wasn't the whole story. And last but not least, Metal Mike, he says, I wasn't mad at Peyton tonight. So That's good, yeah. That's yep, good. So, yep. And thanks for the so, compliment on the hat, too, Metal Mike. So, so, so you're the one. So you're the one who wasn't mad. Again, it was just interesting seeing <laughs> uh, how many people were just like, damn, dude, that's a – they're going after Peyton tonight, so he can but feel again, that energy. So next time, yes. just everyone support him. Cheer. Just get on it, yeah, and then he'll be he'll be a little bit better, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sons in four. Can we swap Alfred Payton with the Gary Payton oh son, Gary Payton God. Jr.? Did you know Gary Payton Jr. is like twenty eight years old? Did you yeah, know, like I, this, this is he. I love Gary Payton Jr. I love that guy. He's right a different now. kind of player, though. He's a, he's he a backup is. too, who's just like wants to dunk all over. It's like having Kelly Oubre without the hair. Yeah, but his defense is really really good, and like yeah. he just brings a lot of really positive energy. He's actually has a good shot here or in there uh, with Golden State. So I'm I glad he's gotten some opportunity there. I highly doubt you listened to the Bill Simmons podcast that came out today. Did you? Oh, did I? Gosh, darn it's it. The one, it's the one where they're talking about. I think I went halfway through. Was it with the repotters or the potters? No, the repotters was the last one. This is one that oh, literally okay. came out okay. today. I oh, listened I to it on my flight in, and Bill Simmons was talking with uh, Sean Fennessy and 
another guy who's a Knicks fan. And okay. one of the interesting things, and the only reason I bring this up, one of the interesting things is as they were talking about why the Knicks kind of suck this year, you know, one is obviously the Julius Randle digression, but another big part is they're like, when, when you take Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton and they go as much as we couldn't stand Alfred Payton last year as our starting point guard, when you take those two guys away, you have and replace them with Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, you lose all your defense in the front court. And as much as we are frustrated with Alfred Payton, he does play decent defense, obviously not on the plays where he's turning the ball over, hanging his head mm-hmm. and not running back on defense, but to have your tertiary point guard provide some sense of defensive minutes. Cause again, he was only a negative one tonight. So I'm just saying Alfred Payton, we spent way too much talking time talking about <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so let's he'll figure it on. out. If we're, if we, if we know this team, he'll figure it out and give us some decent play in the future. Yeah, as, as uh, Ted Lubin says, what a difference a couple of years have made. We're complaining about a third string point guard after a win. <laughs> Love the Phoenix it was Suns, just man. such a brutal couple of minutes for him. So it was. It was. Well, let's talk about somebody who didn't have brutal minutes tonight. Somebody who was shining bright like a diamond. Lights, Cameron, action. Oh, man, your boy Cameron Johnson this evening, shown ever so brightly, coming off the bench, playing 24 minutes, going 7 of 7 from the field, 5 for 5 from deep. He had a couple of free throws as well. He had 9 rebounds and 21 points, one point shy of his career high. I was hoping he would get it tonight, uh, a plus 13 for Cam. How great did he look tonight, man? He was – I've never seen Cam this confident. No, I mean – just his body language. You want to talk about really good body language? He's yes. had it. He, he's had it for a while now. And tonight you can totally see it. His eyes were super focused. Didn't miss a three tonight. So he, um, Didn't I don't miss know if he's ever tonight. had that game. No, I know. But like, has he ever had a game where he hasn't missed a three? He's just, he's so dead on right now. And it's really helping the Suns team that needed some, an extra guy really on offense. When Mikhail's really struggling, like he's the guy to pick it up. And I know they, they usually don't play together too much. I feel like Mikhail and Cam, it's kind of just opposite. Mm-hmm. But when Cam's in, especially in a game against OKC, where, you know, he can shine, he can look like a god against these guys. That's what he looked like. He looked like, like, don't touch me. Like, you guys wish you had me on your team, which I have an OKC friend that wishes he had Cam Johnson. Yes. And that's the way he plays against these teams. Even, like, the catch-and-shoot three was there, and teams are still leaving him so wide open, even, like, a foot behind the line, so wide open. And he cannot miss. But the uh, the last three he made where it was, like, the little roll off of a screen, he jumped. Like, I'm like, that's good. That's in. Just his focus and everything, his eyes, he knows that he can just pretty much make everything. If not, he had the little floater tonight, too, that led to an and one. Like, he's taking the game slower. He's still moving at a fast pace when he needs to. He had a little breakaway lay-in where he just zooped right past the defender. And those are things that he can do, too. He can pick up the speed. He can slow it down. They were talking about Lou Dort tonight and how he has slowed down. And I think Cam really has in a good way to where it's helping his three-point shot and him with the little floaters and getting to the rim, too, against defenders who think, like, hey, he might pull up for a jump shot. Nope. He's he's right there at the rim. So he's just – he's so diverse right now. It's 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 really sexy. It's really good stuff. Did, did you say really zooped? Nice. Zooped, yeah. He, he zooped right down the lane. So uh, Whatever comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, so, it, you know, obviously five for five is the best performance he's ever had behind the three-point line his previous best was three for three he did that once upon a time his his rookie season uh december 30th 2019 he went three for three from deep and that included that was all of his field goals that night so he's never he he's hit 
100% of his threes, a total of seven, eight total times once this season, but three for three was the best he's ever done. So five for five tonight, yeah. that was career worthy. You know, and again, you look at the 21 points and the fact that he only took him on seven shots, like that's ridiculous. And it's to your point, his versatility is uh, is one thing we've talked about multiple times this season, but you're seeing the confidence and he's really finding himself comfortable with that point five offense that Monty Williams preaches, right? He yes. makes that decision instantaneously now. And that's what it takes in the NBA. If you get the ball, you don't sit there and take a look. You catch and you shoot. Or when you yeah. take the ball, you're going right at the rim. And that comes from experience and spatial awareness on the court. And that's what Cam is really starting to display. And that's what I noticed tonight that and and have noticed kind of throughout the season, but really saw it executed fantastically tonight was his spatial awareness, his ability to know where the defenders are. And when he gets the ball his way, he knows exactly if he's going to shoot it, pass it, or drive it to the rim. And those are the three things in the point three or point five offense that Monty asks of his team. And that's exactly what Cameron uh, Johnson did tonight. Again, a little yeah. disappointing that he didn't get that 22nd point, man. I was really oh. hoping. Oh, I wanted a, that. But that's a- Another thing too, Eddie even brought it up how they were they weren't forcing him the ball. They, he wasn't forcing anything. I think in the past, if a guy is that hot from three, the Suns would keep finding him, and which is good. But on the other end, if Cameron Johnson's taking the ball down court and just forcing up threes like he might have in the in the past, like that's something that's changed. It's like even book tonight. We'll talk about him. His points came very quietly because th- these players that are hot and they're they're making their shots are not missing from three. They're not continuing to ask for the ball. They're playing the rest of the game and everything else comes to them. So then it just it sneaks up on you, man. These five for five, three point games and the mm-hmm. 37 points from Booker. Well, it wasn't 37 from Booker. It was 30. Uh, it was 30 Dude, and seven. Why do seven. I keep saying 37? I don't know. It was 30 Mother and seven. Ever. I thought it was 37 the whole I heard 37 <laughs> on the broadcast. No, he said like, 30 he and 37. <laughs> all right. Who watches this podcast? Because it's just misinformation all night long. <laughs> well, like you said it at the, like I said a 30 point game and then you said 37. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, maybe he misheard oh. that or maybe he just misspoke. Uh, but then you said it again. So I was like, okay, I'm correcting you this time. But it is time to talk about Devin just, Booker. 12 yeah. for 23 from the field, including four for seven from deep. Uh, seven rebounds, seven assists. So there's your sevens, Matthew, and 30 total <laughs> points. So entering the game, he was at 42% from deep. He shot 57% from deep tonight. So you know that percentage is going to go up. What the hell are we seeing from Devin Booker this season, man? What the hell are we seeing? I don't know. I mean, the threes are going up, so it's helping everything else from his game. I mean, even the help defense was really good on him in the second and then in the third quarter, but he still finds a way. I think the help defense all around from OKC on every player that the Suns against the Suns were it was it was it was there. They were in their face. But Booker and of course Chris Paul at the end of the game had to finish business. I just think that now that the three is going in, he even had the buzzer beater three. Yeah, the that third, was, that, which that is was just big. oh yeah, it's it's huge. I think that he's always wanted his three to go in and to affect the game to where he can have even better looking shots, draw the double team by the three, uh, facilitate the ball more. He started to facilitate the ball. Oh, how many assists did he have? Seven. Is it the seven? I'm just joking. Yeah. So yeah, he had <laughs> Stupid ass. But like even his assists, when he's shooting the three so well right now, his assist numbers I feel like are going up too. Um, 
and it just helps everything else, dude. It's kind of like when Mikhail gets a three to go down, it helps a lot, especially with his confidence. But Book's always been searching for that three for a long time. Now I feel like it's really falling, and he's taking his time with the shot. Now that it's falling, and it opens just so much for him. I'm just, I'm really happy it's going down. And his one dunk that it yes. went up in and in, like that. When he was short on the three, got the rebound, went up for the dunk. I was like, oh, dude, like you woke this dude up. Like yeah. he wanted to get that one down over Dort. And it was, I love that shit. When Book does that, when he goes aggressive to the three point or to the, to the rim, that's just a thing of beauty. And even though it was a weird dunk, even though it still went in, it was an and one. Like I just love the attempt. I love the aggression. And, you know, he, the rest that he received. To see him come out and play the he the way that he did in the last game, and now play, you know, he, he dominates the Lakers. He comes out tonight. He has a thirty point performance, and although it was twenty three shot attempts, as as you mentioned, as Eddie Johnson mentioned, as many of the Jamsters are mentioned in, in the chat, it was a quiet thirty. It's because it's it's efficient. It's it's effortless, and he's not doing anything too crazy. Uh, I always think that Devin Booker's had a good-looking three-point shot, and I just never understood why it wasn't falling. Because the guy, when he shoots it from 17 to 20 feet, it's like a layup for him. And I'm yeah. like, why can't he just move four feet back and hit that shot? And so for some reason this year, it's starting to fall for him. And this is going to be so beneficial for the Suns moving forward because it's going to have to keep defenses even more honest on this dude. It's going to open up the, the mid-range even more for this dude. It's the, it's the that one thing, you know, we, we talk about Devin Booker throughout his career and how every offseason he's added something, right? You know, yeah. he added the mid-range game probably after his second year. We, he, he always had it, but like he really started to get good at it. You know, he, he started to add some defense after the end of his fifth year. Coming mm -hmm. into this year, it looks like the three-pointer was a point of emphasis for him, and it's it's happening for him. It's The, the percentages are ridiculous. He's like top eight in the league in three-point percentage. That's only going to go up tonight. And it just, it's solidifying the fact that this dude's going to be voted an all-star and not a fucking all-star reserve this year. Dude. We'll see. I hope they got Like, can we just not get snubbed one year? I know we want the championship. <laughs> we won't this I care year, about. man. I don't want any snubs. Even we Mikhail won't. Bridges' defensive player of the year. Even maybe DeAndre Ayton making the all-star our game so we'll we see could send goes, three all-stars there man i mean the way that this team's playing we're 26 and 5 bro there's been five times in 31 games that you and i have had to come on this podcast and talk about a son's loss five times yeah. this season and three of them were in the first four games it's ridiculous what's happening so yeah we and why could am i have... still depressed i don't know it's because it's the holidays sure. you know the <laughs> sun goes down earlier <laughs> <laughs> that's you know? true that is the thing yeah everybody's like it's the Everyone's same conversation now. you have with the same conversation happens with everybody you, you talk to it's like seven o'clock and everyone's like oh i thought it was 11 p.m oh, i thought it was time for bed <laughs> you know it's like it's the yeah. same mindless chat and bullshit that we all yeah. we've all had that conversation everyone in this mm -hmm. chat has had that conversation recently <laughs> you know so the one thing that's kind of weird for me right now is seeing the uh outside of the arena the footprint center they had like the fake snow and everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was awesome yeah you know freaked me and, out. and when i landed here in reno and like there's actual snow here and it oh. just rained so there's ice everywhere so like i get out of my my rental car coming mm -hmm. into the hotel i nearly eat shit like twice like, oh <laughs> shit you know i'm thinking of my wife because she whoa. loves it when i fall whoa anytime i, I yeah. fall my wife just sits and laughs at me and i'm like oh she would be thoroughly enjoying yeah. this shit but getting off the plane they're like merry christmas and in my head like i i am not in the holiday mood at all i mm -hmm. obviously i'm working on christmas i'll be 
right here with you guys afterwards. That's the highlight of Christmas Day here in a couple of days is hanging out with the Jamsters afterwards because like I'm working. I don't feel Christmas at all this year. For Christmas, I bought this headset for myself. Like Merry Christmas to me. Yeah. Let's So what 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 just happened? Let's let's lighten it a little <laughs> bit here. Watch. Speaking of guys who need to lighten up, uh, DeAndre Ayton, dude, aggressive Ayton tonight, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the end of the game, he got teed up after a ferocious dunk put back <laughs> because the refs were like picking on him for like three plays in a row. What else did you see from DA tonight? Because I know that he came out, he was aggressive in the first half. This is definitely one of those teams where he probably should have taken more advantage uh, than he ultimately did. He did end with 19 and 12, which is like almost standard operating procedure for DA. Yep. But what yeah. else did you see from DA tonight, my friend? Oh, well, I mean, it was the aggression, but one thing I thought of as soon as he came out in the first quarter, he got his nine points, went to the line three for four, which is just, he, he gets to the line now early in the games, I feel like. So I expect that. But the way he's playing, the way he looks, I mean, body language looks really good. His focus looks really good. It looks like someone had a talk with him. And he's been playing fantastic this year. But I think someone's just like, hey, you have to play these games anyways. So you might as well just... Make sure it's an effort against any team, even if it's OKC. You know what I mean? Because we went through a few times with DA, not this year, but last year, where he's just like, eh, I'll take this night off a little bit. You know, he he mm-hmm. was that way. Now it's just like, hey, you got to come to work, so you might as well just give it your all. That's what he's doing. And when he looks like that, dude, he, he looks scary. His aggression and him just able to really just do whatever he wants on the floor. Um, He even has like the fadeaway and stuff going now. Like everything just isn't a flow. And he doesn't have like that deer in the headlights look anymore either. He looks like he knows, just knows what he's doing offensively defensively. Of course he's a force, but third quarter, he wasn't as aggressive, but then he just, he gets it back though. And I think that he looks forward to a lot this year. And we always talk about how guards might think they can get by DA and do all this on defense. But I think DA really looks forward to that, the matchups against guards. And I think Mm -hmm. you can just tell on the way he approaches them it's like a really good challenge for him to go up against them and see if, you know, if he can get the block, if he can just detour the the shot at all at the rim. Like, I feel like he just looks forward to those moments. Like anytime they think it's a mismatch, you can see DA like scooting up a little bit, like squatting down with his hands out. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's see what she can do. And it usually comes out in DA's favor. Like yeah. I just love watching him against guards. It's just it's something that I think he really gets excited about. So I like that about D8 tonight, too. I, I was trying to think of who's the last center that I remember who had the ability and versatility to really match up with some really good guards. And like Akeem Olajuwon was really good at it. He's a guy who in the pick and roll could really defend. Uh, and because he had the athleticism and the lateral quickness to do so and create shot deterrence. And I, like, I can't think of very many other guys who could do it. Uh, like Kevin Garnett was always a four in my eyes, even though he played some five, but maybe Garnett. But I mean, yeah, you know, he, you're right. It's he doesn't look lost anymore. And the beautiful thing, and you know, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the year. It's like the great thing coming into this season is, you know, that no matter what happens, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Devin Booker. They're going to be better than they were last year when we went to the NBA Finals. And th- yeah. you're seeing it now because he completely and utterly understands where he should be on the court, how to operate in certain space, when and where to kind of choose his spots. And if the Suns facilitate the game plan more towards him, he's going to obviously benefit from that. But he's a walk in tw- you know, 19 and 12, and we saw that again tonight. Uh, the putback dunk was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, 
I, I really think that to see him kind of display his aggression and bring it out on the court, that's what we always want to see from DA. Just a little bit of fire. I don't need to be walking around stomping, pissed off all the time. He yeah. does complain still a little too much for me. You know, he's kind of doing the hands out, like looking at the ref after every fucking Even play. though it's not a foul. It's like, even though it's, yeah, it's yeah. a fade away and you ran away from the defender. Yeah. So he does have a few things, just like when the defense does adjust to him, usually in the second half and the DA kind of just, he'll, he'll, they'll kind of go away from him because they're doing the same. He's trying to do the same thing. And they adjusted. They have more guys down there in the bottom. But, I mean, you can't just feed them all, all game long. Like, there's too much going on with the Suns' no, offense. We yeah. have to keep everyone involved. So, I think we're kind of moved past that. So, when he does get the attempts and stuff, it looks pretty solid now, man. He's not messing up. Yeah, and again, balance is what happens. And, you know, Devin Booker's got 30. You got Cam Johnson has 21. You got DA with 19. And you got Chris Paul, who put up 16 and 7 tonight. Yeah. And, again, you know, what, what made Chris Paul great tonight was, again, that last kind of final push from the Oklahoma city thunder where they got it down to nine points timeout by the suns. The next two plays are both Chris Paul possessions where he just scores it himself and kind of puts it away. So it's, it's kind of standard operating procedure. What's interesting (laughs) when you talk about Chris Paul and Deandre Ayton was Mm. how Monty Williams, I think just challenged the wrong play. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Right. (laughs) You know, like Chris Paul, DA set the screen on Lou Dort and Lou Dort does a great, you know, I got bumped, like bumped him mm-hmm. into like a 360 corkscrew as he landed yeah. on the court. And, you know, there's no challenge on that play. And literally the next play, SGA's going down the down the, the lane, puts a layup in. DA's kind of there. He bumps him a little bit. And Monty decided to challenge that one. I'm like, dude, you missed the challenge by one play. I know there was there's three in a row and he chose the last one. Yeah. And I, I kept saying, like, just save the challenge is fine because we get the 10 point lead. Um, but yeah, the first two he would have won. This third one, he's like, Okay, final challenge. I think it just got to the point where he's like, How many plays are we gonna go in a row till I have to like actually <laughs> use this challenge? So I'll use it now. But it was the wrong one. It's funny you brought it up because I mean that's the hardest thing for a coach, I think, is just down on the floor. You gotta you're you're trying to work your game plan, you try to look at the scoreboard to see if like you know if that's a challengeable play and half the time i feel like they can't even really see the play because they're looking straight up like okay you know what i mean like so they have really weird angles i feel like to even see the replay so i just i I don't know if it was a crucial game if it was something i was like yeah that was the wrong one but i just think it's funny how that worked out for monty poor guy yeah no i just i thought it was kind of funny too Uh, another (laughs) another thing that i saw tonight that i i you don't see very often i saw da pretty badly fall for a pump fake tonight and that's like as rare as finding a northern hairy nosed wombat you know what i mean like you're just not gonna find those things there's like seven left on the planet uh and i I, brings me to another point like who counts extinct animals you know like here i am (laughs) yeah i'm glad you brought this up too yeah i I flew here to (laughs) reno like i got a job to do like who's like hey what are you doing on christmas like i gotta go out into bush i gotta count all of the hairy (laughs) northern nosed wombats see how many are left out in the world i've got five you know like who's counting the extinct animals that i've always said the same thing i'm like stop telling me that siberian tigers and stuff are going extinct like where how do you know this and yeah how you honestly you know i guess yeah there's poachers or people that are killing these animals it's a disgrace but i don't know who's really counting all these animals and why do i have to hear about it so much you know what i mean but i do care about the wildlife i guess i don't know even though they would eat me up right away they would eat my big butt how how is that your job? Like I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, rare species counter. That's what I do. It's really tough because I have to, you know. It, uh, so such as you can't count extinct animals. Good point. If they're Justin. extinct already, but... but like ones that are close to extinction, like yeah, the northern meant. hairy nosed wombat, 
which is a rare animal, just like seeing DA fall for a mm. pump fake. So yeah. last question before we bring up the Thunder game that's upcoming on Christmas that I got for you, Matthew. And this is relative to the Thunder. Does the Thunder have too many picks? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, my thing is trade those picks and get some stars in there, dude. You got to. You got to go after these teams that are tanking, like the like the Pacers. Not tanking, but they're just absolutely going nowhere. You got to try to get these guys into OKC to help with the Shea. You have to help with. As soon as these guys come to OKC, it's a great organization, great fan base. So love it. Paul George almost stayed longer than he should have ever played there. You know what I mean? So you have mm-hmm. players like that that go there. They're like, oh, you know what? I should come back. So they need to start trading them, man. I think and stop focusing on the freaking draft. Like, who cares? You'll get your pick. Whatever Adam Silver, wherever he wants you to to pick, that's where you're going to pick. It does not matter what your record is going into the lottery, unless you don't make the lottery, obviously. Yeah, so, like, I was thinking about this. It's like, okay, I I forget what the number is. I think they have, like, 18 – in the next four years, they have, like, 18 first-round picks and 17 second-round picks. Like, in the upcoming draft, they have the Clippers pick from the Paul George trade. They have our pick from the Chris Paul trade. They have uh, a number 16 or the Pistons pick. They have their own pick. You go into the 2023 draft. They have their own. They have a Clippers pick, a Nuggets pick, a Heat pick, two Wizards pick, a Mavericks pick. The next draft, it's the Rockets pick, the Clippers pick, the Hornets pick. They have so many picks. And and it's like Metal Mike says, picks are assets. I don't think you can have too many assets. But I think you can. I think they're kind of at this point where it's like, at what point do these assets are, are they essentially turned against you? Right. Because yeah. we've seen time and time again, if you're going after one of those big fish, right. If you're going after the DeMontis Sabonis, you can sit there and package a trade that has all these little assets attached to it. And for the most part, they're not going to equal what DeMontis Sabonis is, right. It's the four quarters doesn't always equal a dollar in an NBA trade philosophy. And at some point, you're going to have some teams that are like, I'm not going to deal with OKC because I don't want three second rounders four years from now. I'd rather keep DeMontis Sabonis or do a better one-for-one kind of trade or maybe even a two-for-one trade, right? They've got so many picks that teams, if they really are smart, if, if they, they could freeze them out, be like, hey, you've got, tw- you've got 35 picks in the next four drafts, Oklahoma City Thunder. Guess what? Mm. You're going to have to pick them all. Like, we're not trading you for your fucking picks. Okay, because I just again, it's just it's almost like they're trying to get too smart for themselves. Now, granted, those are assets. And yes, they do have SGA. You got Giddy. You got Poku. Right. We didn't even talk about Poku oh, on the podcast. There's nothing to talk about. tonight. <laughs> I, know. I, I thought he was in the G League. So but it's like they have so many picks. And, and as Justin says in the chat, he goes, none of their picks are really enticing picks. Heavy protections at best, a bunch of back end first round picks. Right. Because what they did is they took assets like Paul George, Chris Paul, and they traded them to teams that are now successful. So it's not like they're getting a bunch of it's not like what the Philadelphia Eagles and the and the Giants are doing. Uh, and I think the Dolphins, who else? There's another team next year who like there's a bunch of teams that are going to have like first round picks in the top 10 in the NFL because they made savvy trades. Right. Yeah. It's different in the NBA. You give us Chris Paul, he's on offense and defense, and he's going to make our team better. And guess what? Our pick is now tanked in value. So again, I just, I know they have a ton of picks upcoming, and I just don't know if it's necessarily 
a, a positive thing. You, you're starting to see these GMs get too cute about it. And we'll see in time, we'll see over the next five years between them and like the Rockets and I think the Pelicans. I think those are the three major teams that have a lot of assets when it comes to picks. We'll see how these teams kind of shake out. And if they truly start to move all these assets in an effort to better their team, because at the end of the day, again, you have to have teams that are willing to to take on those second round picks. Oh, yeah, cool. I'm getting the Suns pick. Uh, that's going to be the 30th pick in the draft. Cool. I want that. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I totally agree with you. But the thing is, with the NFL, those picks are a lot sexier. Like you can get a third or fourth round pick. That can be a difference, you know, for you offensive line. You know, you can get some good talent back there. For the NBA, yeah, it's a lottery pick, and then you do the lottery. You don't know where you're going to end up. So it's really a chance you're taking both ways. So either mm-hmm. you trade these picks, you get like a Sabonis-type player, and you take a chance on that guy that's already proven. He's an all-star. He's a guy that can actually affect your team in a positive way right away. So you go that route. I think as a Suns fan, you get sick of just waiting every year for the picks, and then you realize it doesn't ever end up your way unless you get DeAndre Ayton, of course. And even when we got DeAndre Ayton, everyone's like, we should have chose Luka. Like, Right. And we should have chosen. So you go through that pain. I really think NBA teams have to stop focusing on tanking. And when the Suns were tanking, I would hear a lot on podcasts like it is very unhealthy for your organization. Absolutely. And it's it's a bad idea to force your team to lose games because look what happened. We're lucky Booker stuck around this long. You know what I mean? Because the way the Suns were losing games, it can change anything. You can get rid of your superstar. Your superstar like a Devin Booker will ask out. So just focus on winning because I think that this OKC team has the best mentality out of these teams that are in the bottom tier to where they want to win. They have the talent there, the good hustle team. So just get on the right path and just focus on winning games, bettering your team now. Don't worry about the draft, dude. I'm just... Because you never know with these players, they come out so raw now too. It takes them years and years and years to get better. But if you get the right player, like at the 10th pick to the 15th pick, and you can form them like a Shea, where you can just... You you have a good a guy that's actually like ready to play who's ready to get better, who's all for your organization. That's like number one, a confident player. You just, you want the confident players. So you can find those in the back of the draft. It's just stop settling for like a top three pick. Cause it's not going to happen. Yeah. Th- these teams are essentially banking on teams like the Pacers who publicly say, we're looking to blow it up and we're looking to wait. We're looking to sell off some assets. Cause we want to kind of go into rebuild mode. Uh, Cause you're right. Tanking is not the answer. It breeds a losing culture. And we are yeah. blessed that Devin Booker fought through that area, that, that time period, you know, TJ Warren was a casualty of that. Now, granted, he was also a casualty of his injuries, but I felt like the Suns didn't play him nearly as, you know, he, I felt like he had an ankle problem for like two straight years and, and we didn't see him play just because they wanted to rest him and, and a head and again, problem and take it. Yeah, was head, too big or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like he put the headband on it and it would just, it would hurt. Well, uh... <laughs> but, but OKC is ahead of the game, especially when you look at like the Rockets, because the Rockets are another team that's hoarding assets. But what the what the, the Thunder have done is they have SGA and they've locked him down, right? They gave him his rookie extension. Uh, they have him under contract till 2027, paying him, you know, 29 million next year. And it, it goes up to almost 40 million by that that 27. So they definitely are a team that's looking to, to take those assets and do something with them because they've locked down somebody. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's so many assets though, man. And again, I'm saying with all those assets, you could literally just be like, dude, I'm not dealing with you. I don't want any of your shitty picks. And uh, you know, I want to see if this experiment of you garnering an asset from every other team in the league 
is actually going to work out for you. Go ahead. Take 36 picks, you know, like next, next draft, they have like seven picks. Okay. Take seven of those picks. You're going to have to give a ton of those guys away because you can't fit them on a roster or a G league team. Mm -hmm. So no, I agree, man. Real quick shout out to rag MMA. He's uh, just stopped by to say F the refs. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Get off a DA. huh? That was funny. Eddie Johnson laughing at the end of the game because DA could not catch a break tonight. No, poor guy, especially (laughs) at the end of the game. But when you're winning, it's funny. When you get the technical, it's a fun, it's a fun tech, like a Jay Crowder tech. They're always fun. (laughs) It was fantastic. So, all right. That time of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters. Who is your jam star of the game? Matthew, I went first last time. Who's your jam star of the game? Uh, we're both going Devin Booker yeah. here tonight. Just an easy win for him. And just being on the floor and just taking minimal amount of shots. Like, not a crazy amount, but just to get to 30 points. It's weird to see a player get, not to 37, but to get the 30 points for the Suns. And it was just easy for him tonight, I feel like. Second quarter, they really bogged down on him. The third quarter, too. But then he picked it back up when the game mattered. Him and Chris Paul back and forth. Chris Paul with a couple shots. Booker with a couple shots to end the game. Just get to your spots. Because you know when you're playing against this OKC team, there's only so far they can go head-to-head against you until you just have to you know, create some spacing and tire them out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Devin Booker, and you're, you're right. Uh, honorable mention, though, to Cam Johnson. I mean, that's 7-for-7 seven seven for 21 points. Uh, one of his best games of the of his career. Jeez, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Devin Booker, you know, again, knowing that this is his second game back, that he he's 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 spaced it out perfectly. Like, come back, play that first game against the Lakers, get your legs back under you. Okay, be a little bit more aggressive tonight. So he's primed up for that next game. Like, that's going to be absolutely fantastic to see him play against the. Uh, uh, the Warriors, and that brings us kind of yeah. right into our next segment. You know, the Warriors is what is next for the Phoenix Suns. Christmas Day, 3 p.m. Arizona time, uh, 2 p.m. here in uh, in Reno, Nevada. Um, so I'm going to have to try to get out of work earlier. Second seating for brunch is at 1.30. I'm like, you guys are good, right? Yeah, we have a 12, a 12 o'clock seating and a 1.30 seating. So Okay. Yeah. Um, but by that time, I should be good enough to GTFO. Uh, so what are you looking for this game? It was announced today that – both Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole due to COVID-19 protocols will not be playing, Matthew. Okay, so that's the update. Yeah, it's going into these games you never know because of the COVID thing. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns has COVID now too, so he can't catch a break, I guess. Um, just a lot of this is just up in the air till game time decisions, you know, really hit. And then you can see who's on the floor at tip-off. But in this game, you know, it, it's kind of game of the year, right, for the Suns. If it really matters, I guess it starts to matter right now around Christmas time. This is a game where you're going to watch and just be like, can the Suns, can the Suns match the tempo of what the Warriors are going to bring? Because now that the Warriors, of course, can see that the Suns are the best team in the NBA, they're going to fight even harder with these games. So I wouldn't really say a regular season game is like a must win, but it would be nice to win this game because I just think the way the Suns are playing, how they're just so recognized, even from... Uh, I mean, there's ex-players that are talking about them all the time on YouTube, just talking about the Suns and how they're a team and all this. They're over the Warriors. The Warriors are only going to be better if they have Klay Thompson. That's a big if. So right. right now, I mean, the Suns can just make a statement with this win again against Warriors. This is the third time they played them, right? We're one yeah, on one. Th- third time, yeah. uh, second time at home for the Phoenix Suns, which means we'll have one more game against the Warriors a little bit later in the season, and that will actually occur at Golden State. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a massive game for the Phoenix Suns because it's it's Christmas Day. 
right? Last time the Phoenix Suns played on Christmas Day was what, 2010? I mean, it's been a long, long time. There is there there are people who, if they are uh, 18 years old right now, and they can go and they can buy a pack of cigarettes and a Playboy, uh, they, <laughs> they haven't watched the Phoenix Suns play on Christmas since they were like seven or eight years old. I mean, that's mm-hmm. unbelievable. So it's and not just that. It's not like it's the morning game. This is like prime time. It's going to be five o'clock on the East Coast, right? It's it's prime time. It's the game that everybody's waiting for nationally. It's the game where they release the ticket prices, which Christmas Day game has the highest ticket prices. It's the Suns mm-hmm. and the Warriors game in Phoenix. So it just shows you that there's a high demand for this game. Is it a must win? No, no. It's December. We're in first place in the NBA right now. And it truly doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Would it be nice to win? Absolutely. Uh, I will tell you this. it's There's 2.03 left in the fourth quarter between the Golden State Warriors right now and the Memphis Grizzlies, and it's tied at 1.02. So, Dude, uh, those Grizzlies. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> what the hell's going what, on? I can't what, wait to watch that team again. <laughs> what, what's crazy about them is they went like 10-2 and two without John Morant. <laughs> the Isn't that crazy? MVP, right? <laughs> yeah, Ewing theory. Definite Ewing theory going on there. Oh, but no, again, yeah. But again, this is it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a fun game to watch. And mm. you know all eyes are going to be on the Suns. So let's go out there and let's let, let, let's show them what's up. You know, let's show them who we are. Let's show them why we are who we are again because we did it before. Den Booker got hurt in the game. Obviously, the next time we played, we were down people. They were down people. The fact that there's no Wiggins, the fact that there's no pool, I don't care. If we win this game – We'll hear that from everybody. Every fucking shitty Warriors fan that you know is going to be like, well, we were down two players. I don't give a shit. You still got to win the game. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, they're down two players. All right, guys, we need to take it easy this game. Okay. Yeah. Hey, guys, don't two, play this good defense. They're down two players. Like, fuck that. Two names. Sarich, Kaminsky. Come on. They showed yeah. them on the bench together hanging out. Oh, miss those guys. Oh, we, yeah. we definitely miss them. The way they played for the Suns. Come on. Well, did you see how they had that pregame cam where the guys were all in the hallway and yeah, they campaigned? I, yeah. I saw did you see Dario Sarge and he had like his sandals on? It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Dario, I miss you yeah. something. You know what? I'm I gonna give it to too. him. The Sarge smoke break. Get well soon, Dario, and Merry yes. Christmas. Stop smoking. It doesn't help, dude. Doesn't it doesn't help <laughs> so, uh, I say Suns get the dub on that game. Yes, against- me too. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so it'll, it'll, it'll be, be a great uh, Christmas. And then the Cardinals will win too, right? Yeah. Right the after Cardinals play the Colts. I just don't yeah. want this to turn oh, into ha- what happened that one uh, Sunday night or whatever, whatever night it was Monday night football, whatever the fuck it was with the car, <laughs> the Cardinals lost. And then I had to watch the Suns and the Suns lost to the Clippers. I was like, this sucks. Yeah. Cardinals <laughs> need to ago. win. That's a tough, I, I'm, That's a I tough think the game. Colts are probably, probably going to win. Sorry, and I man. got Jonathan Taylor in the fan, in my fantasy on two of my fantasy playoff teams. It's like, dude, you. he's prime. Just run the fuck over him. This will be the one time mm-hmm. the Cardinals defense. Show. I don't know. I just, I'm so torn. It's like, I want the Cardinals <laughs> to win, but I want to win money. Ah. That's why you just don't make the playoffs. You have to yeah. worry about it. <laughs> I'm already out. Uh, Johnny go. Well, 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 my Sarge smoke break. There it is. We still, yeah, we've we've been waiting to dust that one off. We haven't played it here in a while. So Uh, I think on that note, I think we're all set here, Matthew, you know, great game by the Suns. They win by 12 over OKC. We're prepped. We're primed. We're ready for Christmas and, and the Phoenix Suns to play the Golden State Warriors. So you, Remember, Jamsters, if you want to find the best post-game podcast on Planet Orange, it's right here at the Suns Jam Session Podcast. We'll be coming to you live following that game against the Warriors on Christmas Day. Come unwrap unwrap a nice little uh, present. See me and Matthew 
on Christmas. Uh, but make sure you hit like down below. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review if you're listening to this, all that fun stuff. Uh, until then, you can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow the show at Sons Jam. You can follow Matthew. I'm Matthew Lucy. That's all I got. I'll see you guys on Christmas. Yeah, and everyone go home and tinsel your family. Tinsel them? That's actually a really good idea.